0: I, I am thankful that we have talented people like Pastor Bob who can do so many things. Give him a hand. We appreciate him. Well, today I wanted to talk to you about the joy of reaching out and inviting the people you love to the light. A relationship with Jesus. How to be most effective at that. And we want to be effective at that year round, but this time of year gives you and I a unique opportunity to be effective at reaching the people in our world because there is a, a culture still of Christmas that causes people to be more receptive to inviting. Did you know that? Read some research that said that 73% of people would be more likely to attend a church service if they were invited by a relative. And you know what? The statistic on a non-relative inviting them, like a friend, was still in the 60 percentile. Meaning that there is a unique opportunity at this time of year to reach out to people and invite them to come check out Jesus, or at least celebrate Christmas, to experience the joy that you have. And we're going to have some great Christmas Eve services here to invite people to. So let's talk about three important elements of inviting people to the light that will make us more effective at doing just that. First of all, we have to connect with the source personally. It has to be real, because you can't pump water from an empty well. If you want to go beyond knowing about Jesus to actually knowing Jesus, you have to have relationship, a personal relationship. And let's talk about what that would look like. Because there was a guy in the Bible. It's the only time he's ever mentioned. We don't know a lot about this guy. Simeon. And he said, my eyes have seen your salvation. What's the context? He's there at the temple in Jerusalem. Joseph and Mary have brought baby Jesus, as is required by the law, to be dedicated in some ceremonies that they have there. And he's holding baby Jesus, it says. And he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. It's like a prayer to God talking about the Savior of the world that he's holding right there in his hands. Who is this guy? All we know is it says that he was a righteous man. He's a God seeker. And maybe you come here today because you're seeking God. You're trying to figure out what this God thing is all about and Jesus and how it all fits together and how it could make a difference in your life. And there's a few hundred people sitting here today that would like to share with you that Jesus makes a wonderful impact in lives. So he said... My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. And up until that time, the Jewish religious system was pretty much all to themselves. That if you wanted to become a Jew, you could, but otherwise they weren't really reaching out there to the world. It was all about their religious system. And now Simeon is saying, it's going beyond that. It's going to include all the Gentiles because this Savior, this Messiah, is a light of revelation to everybody. And he wants to be that for you today if you would like that relationship. Now, the Bible says that there's a, uh, a roadblock. Uh, I call it interference. That there is actually in the universe, a spiritual dimension that we don't see with our eyes, that the Bible says exists and works against people seeing who Jesus really is. Paul said it, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The word image there is the word icon. It's a concept of an image that represents the reality, kind of like a picture that represents what you took the picture of. It's the same thing. It's a picture of the very same thing. And that's what this verse is saying to us about Jesus, is that he is the very image of God because he is God. And yet, the God of this world, Satan, doesn't want people to know that. He wants them to minimize Jesus. He wants them to just put Jesus on the level with another human being so that you won't respect him. You won't look up to him. And that's what Satan does. He tries to downgrade Jesus so that you can't experience what Jesus has to offer you. Now, the rest of that verse says, "'For God who said, "'Let light shine out of darkness,' made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of Christ God in the face of Christ. And so when you see who Jesus really is, you will recognize the glory of God. Every attribute of God is in Jesus because Jesus is God who reflects every attribute of who he is. And he wants to have a personal relationship with every one of us. And he wants to show his strength and his power and his guidance for our lives. Simeon, the guy we just talked about, he reminds me of kind of like when I was going down the E Street here a while back. Remember back a long time ago when E Street used to have two lanes going each way? You remember that? I was going down E Street one day And I, uh, well, you know how your peripheral vision sees things and you're just kind of looking. And I was doing that because I was seeing a lot of motion next to me in the car next to me. And I did a quick glance because I, you know how it is. Sometimes it could be really weird people making gestures at you, (laughs) you know. And so it kept happening. So finally, I just looked. And there was a gateway person waving wildly at me. (laughs) And I waved back. And you know, that reminds me of Simeon and a lot of us who are going through life, we're on a road, we're headed someplace, and there's like this parallel universe we're aware of but we're just not quite willing to look over there and see that God's trying to get our attention. Has God been trying to get your attention? Has something happened in your life recently that made you start thinking about spirituality, about God, about Jesus? I read regularly sources that say that people are thinking about these things. And it could be that God is just trying to get your attention. And yet the God of this world is trying to keep you from experiencing the great joy and benefit of having this personal relationship, this direct relationship. This is what Jesus offers us in a nutshell. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Now notice he didn't say, I'm the light of Jerusalem. He didn't say, I'm the light of the Middle East. He said, I am the light of the world. What a bodacious kind of statement. Claiming that he was the revelation to the whole world. And every one of us faced that decision whether we're going to believe him or not. He wants to bring that light and revelation and insight to your life. And here's how it happens. It says, whoever follows Jesus Will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And that's talking about eternal life. But don't think that eternal life is just the other side of death. Eternal life starts the moment you choose to follow Jesus. And that word for follow is the simple idea of trusting Him and obeying Him and letting Him lead you in your lifestyle. And so this is the light of the world that Jesus is offering every one of us in a personal relationship with him. Man in the Bible by the name of Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree down south and slightly west of Jerusalem, down in a place where he couldn't see Jesus because there were so many people crowding around to talk to him, see him, listen to him. And so Zacchaeus was in a tree and Jesus spotted this Zacchaeus guy and he said to him, come down immediately. I'm a stay at your house today. So what Zacchaeus do? He came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And there's where you see it happening. God was waving at him. And Zacchaeus decided, I'm going to look and I'm going to respond. And the change of his heart The change of his attitude produced something beautiful, because look what happened. All the people saw this, and they began to mutter. And so they knew this guy. This guy was the regional IRS director. And they knew that he had occasionally taken more than he should have. And so they began to mutter. And they said Jesus is gone to the guest to be a guest of a sinner. And so what Zacchaeus do? It says Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, you think it could be, I will pay him back four times the amount. You see, when your attitude changes about Jesus and you decide to let him start leading you, then you start loving people and caring about people. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. And he has come to seek and to save you Because you are important, and you are important to him personally. The only question that remains is, how important do you want to make him to you? And do you want him to be the light that guides your life from this day forward? It was one year ago that uh, Larry went home to be with Jesus It was one year and two months ago that Larry wasn't a Christian and he wouldn't have gone home to be with Jesus. But one afternoon, I remember that I picked up the phone and Larry was talking to me from the hospital and he said, Pastor Ken, would you come visit me at the hospital? And I said, sure. And it was really interesting what he said to me next. It it confused me a little bit. He asked me if I would bring Bud with me. Bud? And he gave the last name. I said, oh, okay, Bud. Yeah, he goes to our church. You want me to bring Bud? He said, would you please? And I said, sure, I'll call him. And so the next evening, Bud and I drove into the hospital, and we sat down with Larry and I said to Larry, what's going on? And Larry told me what was going on. It sounded pretty serious. And I said, well, Larry, you know, we've had quite a few conversations over the year, buddy. And I tell you, we had a lot of conversations. The previous conversation, he was out paving the road in front of my house on my day off. So I went out there and I entered into a conversation with Larry. And for the ninth time in 13 years, yes, For the ninth time in 13 years, Larry started talking to me about Jesus. You see, I never had to bring up Jesus with Larry. Larry was always bringing up questions about Jesus with me. Because you see, there are a tremendous number of people in your and my world that have questions about who is Jesus. And how does this Christianity thing really work? And Larry, nine times over 13 years, approached me and asked me about Jesus. And what I didn't realize until that night in that hospital room, when Larry bowed his head to accept Jesus as his Savior, that the reason why he wanted Bud there is because he had been talking to Bud about Jesus, too and he wanted him to be there when he made his decision. There are people in your world over a period of decades who will ask you questions, and they will get to the point of being ready to want Jesus to be their savior. It's a beautiful thing. Are you willing to hang in there with them, to love those people, to invite them into a direct relationship So that they can say with you, give thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Notice, you don't qualify yourself to get into heaven. He's the one who qualifies you. In other words, He makes you adequate, He's your sufficiency. And that's why you're giving thanks to God because he has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And that is a wonderful feeling, isn't it? And so if we want to be effective at inviting people, we have to have a direct connection with the source, And then secondly, we have to communicate an authentic testimony. There's a lady that I call uh, Sister Prayer. She doesn't like me mentioning her name, so I just have to call her Sister Prayer. But I tell you, she has an authentic testimony when it comes to prayer. I met someone here at this church one day that said, oh yeah, I know her, she led me to Christ. I said, how? How did that happen? I always love to hear these stories. And she said to me, she said, this gal prayed for me. She's my neighbor. Yeah. She said, we were out in the yard, same time, her yard, my yard, and we talked over the fence one day, and she told me that she would pray for me. I said, that'd be great, and I gave her a prayer request, and she just said, now, would it be okay if I followed up and asked you how things were going later, just to make sure that the prayer was working? And she said, sure. And so she kept checking up on her and saying, what can I be praying for you now? And she prayed her through that problem, and that opened up this gal's heart to Jesus, because then as her neighbor kept sharing with her what she was praying about in her own life... Her own authentic testimony of struggle and prayer and asking God for help. She would share the prayer and the answer to prayer. And after a while, she said, The reason I accepted Christ is because her prayers were being answered, and I wanted to know if I could get in on it too. You see, an authentic testimony is powerful, it's attractive. It makes people want to know more about this Jesus you have a relationship with. The Bible says that we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. And you say to me, Pastor Ken, I haven't arrived. And I say, neither have I. Because the Bible says that we are in the process of being transformed. And as we respond to God, he does the work of changing us because where does this verse take us? It says that we're being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And the moment you trust Christ as your Savior, God makes a deposit in your life. He puts the Holy Spirit in you to love you, to guide you, to help you start to have aha moments where you start to figure out what the Bible means. That's why the Holy Spirit was given. He helps us to walk with God and to figure it out. You see, God didn't leave you powerless. He could have saved you from your sin and then said, figure it out, work hard. He didn't say, you make it happen. He said, I'll put my spirit in you and my spirit will help you to experience me, to make it happen. The real authentic change and testimony comes with the Holy Spirit doing the work. In the Bible, there was this man who was demon-possessed. I don't know many demon-possessed people, do you? I suppose they're around, you know? They get in trouble. They get involved with spirits, and then they get demon-possessed. And this man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with Jesus. What I have to fill you in on is the storyline, is that this man got demon-possessed, ended up going out into the country, living out there, living out there naked, living out there doing all kinds of stuff he shouldn't have. He had great strength, and it said that, uh, you know, he got violent out there too. And so this guy had some problems, and Jesus recognized what the source of his problem was, He was connected to the wrong kind of spirit. He was connected to a demonic spirit that caused oppression and all kinds of these other negative symptoms, these unhealthy things. And so Jesus cast the demons out of this man, and the man got so excited that he wanted to go with Jesus. And I suspect the reason he wanted to go with Jesus was to tell other people what God had done for him. This man... Felt the change of God. He experienced the touch of Christ in his life. And he wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus did not let him. But said to this fella, go home to whom? Let's say it again. Go home to whom? Your family. And you know what? That's what many of us need to hear. Just go home to your family. Let them see the difference that Christ is making in your life. This process of growing, this process of maturing, this process of positive change. Let them see it. And I know what many of you have said to me before. Pastor Ken, those are the hardest people to talk to about Jesus. They know all my problems and and all my faults. And I want to tell you, good. Because you see, just like this man, I think Jesus would tell you, go to your family. Go back home, because they know you, and they know your faults, and they're the ones that when they see the change in you, they're going to say, there must be a God in heaven. Amen? Now, I think about this fellow. My mind wanders at times, and I started thinking about this going home, because the word home here is oikon. It sounds kind of like our philosophy of outreach to people, which is called oikos, Because it comes from the same word family, word grouping. And so Jesus specifically told this guy, I don't just want you to go to your extended sphere of influence. I want you to go home. And my mind thought about, "Hmm. if this guy had kids with the problems he had going on in his life, I wonder how embarrassed they were about dad. I wonder how many times this wife had experienced potentially physical abuse because when the guy got demon infested, he got mean, abusive. How many times had she experienced that pain, that physical pain as well as the emotional pain? How many times had she said, I want to try to make this marriage work. And eventually, this guy splits and takes off. And his problems intensify. He's known publicly for these things. He's got difficulties. And now Jesus heals him and says to him, go home to the people that know all about your problems. And tell them how much mercy I've shown you and how much I've done for you. Bringing change to your life. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis, which is a whole region around the guy's home, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were what? Amazed. And you see, it's when real change really takes place that a wife says, wow. Wow. And it's when a wife makes changes in her heart and her attitude and her behavior that the husband looks and goes, wow, did God do that? And people start to look at God in a whole different way. The God who cares about them, loves them, and wants to bring goodness to their life. It amazes people. Paul in the book of Philippians says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. Amen? Yeah. See, here's authentic testimony. It's not that we've been made perfect. It's that we've been forgiven. I knew this fella. He's still around somewhere, but... He was a real positive guy, but he also embarrassed me a lot because he was entirely transparent around other men, and he would just blurt out all of his struggles and difficulties. And he would say, I'm forgiven, I'm not perfect, I'm changing, I'm not stuck. And it always stuck with me when he said that because I was embarrassed because of how transparent he was, but I was also encouraged that this guy was willing to say, I'm not going to stay there, I'm going to grow. And the apostle Paul is saying, we're forgiven. But Paul's saying, I haven't been made perfect yet. I haven't arrived, but I press on. Are you willing to say this? I'm gonna press on. I'm not gonna be stuck on the past. I'm not gonna be fixated on my past. I'm not gonna let my past keep me from moving forward to a beautiful future with Christ and my family and my business and my relationships, my friends. I'm going to let God make the real difference in my life. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining toward the goal. Thank you. My sight isn't as good as it used to be. To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. I better get glasses. I'm going to need them. (laughs) You guys may need to read this to me before I get done because it's getting blurry. But praise God. Jesus changes lives, and he's committed to helping you grow in the process. Would anyone give me a little amen for that? He's committed to you, and he loves you and loves you so much, he won't let you stay where you're at, but will stretch you to grow. there was a woman. She went to a well. Jesus was at the well. She entered into a conversation with him and Jesus started telling her all about her life and it blew her away. She thought, wow, this must be a prophet to know all these things about me. I don't even know this guy, but he knows all this stuff. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared to this woman, I who speak to you am he. The woman goes back to her hometown. She tells them about the man who knew everything about her. Could this be the Christ? And then the scripture says a little later many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. You have a testimony. This woman had a testimony. Everyone who believes in Jesus has a testimony. There's 200 and some testimonies right here. The one thing everyone has in common, Jesus gave it to you. But they're very diverse testimonies, how we all came to Jesus. And because of that, you have a unique testimony to share. Some are a little bit more dramatic than others. Others are a little more just common like mine. But God uses every one of them to share with other people so that they can realize and make a connection with Jesus through your story, just like with this woman. Your testimony is powerful. And the third thing that you can do to become more effective at inviting people is to express your faith relationally. And by that I mean that you express your faith to other people in practical, loving ways, so that they can see what Jesus is like. It's relational, a relational faith. Yesterday, God brought me across someone right here in this community who gave me a story to tell you today. Yesterday was the cookie giveaway, the annual cookie giveaway. How many people here baked cookies for yesterday's annual cookie giveaway? Good, good. A hundred dozen cookies, okay? A hundred dozen. Beautiful cookies. They were gorgeous. Some of them were They were festive Christmas decorated. Some of those cookies I wanted to eat, but they were so beautiful, it was almost like you needed to frame them. And they put together these decorative plates of cookies, boxes full of them. What a that? Here's one of them. And we have dozens of these plates of cookies available for you to give away to someone that doesn't go to church, doesn't know Jesus, someone in your sphere of influence that you would like to take a plate to and just say, hey, the ladies at Gateway made these and... uh, here, I'll just illustrate. Ladies of Gateways made these, and uh, we just wanted to bless you and say Merry Christmas. Thank you. You're welcome. And we have dozens, dozens of those plates of cookies available for you to take and bless someone with a testimony of God's love, breaking down the barriers, being relational. So, yesterday, I carried the box filled with about three dozen of those plates of cookies around our community with about eight or nine other people that were doing the same project. And we would just do that very same thing, knock on the door and just give them to people, just bless them. And I walked up to this one individual that was in their garage and I handed them the plate of the cookies and just said, just a Merry Christmas from Gateway Church just down the way there. And the person said to me two years ago, that same plate of cookies saved my life. (laughs) I was kind of like dumbfounded, I said, really? How? And they went on to share with me what was going on, and that plate of cookies, when it was given to to that person, told them there was still hope. Amazing. I came back to the church about 20 minutes later, went into the gym, and I went looking for for Laura. I ran into one person, I said, is Laura still here? And he said, yes, she's she's up there around the corner. So I went up there and I found Laura. I said, Laura, you wouldn't believe what I just experienced. And I told her this story because for five, six years now, she's been putting out hundreds of dozens of cookies this time of year to bless our neighbors around the church. And I wanted her to know this story because, you see, a relational faith makes a difference. Mm -hmm. It really does. It makes a huge difference. In fact, that's why Jesus said, you, you, you are the light of the world. Now, earlier we read, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But you see, once he left earth, And return to the right hand of the throne of high. He left you and I to radiate his light. Kind of like the moon does, the sun at night. Yes. Now you are the reflection of God's glory to the people in this world. And he says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And I thought, can I bring a city into the church? And I couldn't figure out how to do that. So I went with this second thing. It says, neither do people light a lamp. And put it under a bowl. I don't know what the deal is, but sometimes I think that we just get uptight about reaching out, loving people, and inviting them. And as a result, we psych ourselves out and we put a filter over our light, reducing the impact of our influence on the people in our world. And I know what you're going to say to me. My world's a small world. Folks, your world is an important small world. Everybody in your oikos, your sphere of influence, every one of those are precious, important people. We don't want to cover up our light. And then sometimes what happens is we get a little embarrassed and we just make the choice to cover it up and then you can hardly see any light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Now read the rest with me. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. Be a light. Let it shine. Levi is a fellow in the scripture. He trusted Jesus and he held a banquet for Jesus at his house. When you choose to let Jesus in your life, you start to honor him, just like Levi did. Now, you may hold a banquet, you may have a party or whatever. There's a thousand ways to honor Jesus. Notice that a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them because that's who he had hung out with all his life. That's part of his association. That's That's his culture. That's his context. And so he brought all his friends together to meet Jesus so that they could figure out who Jesus was, so that Jesus could become their light. But the Pharisees, and there's always some Pharisees around, The Pharisees and the teachers of the law complained to Jesus' disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And there's this tension between association and withdrawal. And Jesus challenges us by saying, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He says, I've come, I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. See, it's not the self-righteous people who think they're just fine that Jesus came for. Those people ignore him. They think they're too good for him. But you see, Jesus associates sick with sinners. He says the basic problem of humanity is a disease called sin. That we want to live independently. And Jesus is inviting us back into a relationship with God. Would you like to have that relationship? Would you like for Jesus Christ to be the light that guides your life from this day forward? Would you like to become a Christ follower? Would you please bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus. We've been going down the road of life, and you've been going right alongside of us, trying to get our attention, waving at us, sending some things into our pathway to try to get our attention, and maybe we just haven't been ready to listen or to look. And I wonder if there's some people here today that are ready to listen, to look, and to follow Jesus as their Savior. And with heads bowed, if you would like to make that decision right here and now, just raise your hand for me. Yes? Yes? Anyone else? Yes, thank you, sir. Anyone else want to have that relationship with Jesus? Yes, I see that, that, yes, 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 yes. Wonderful. And just pray this simple prayer, Jesus, I'm not perfect, forgive me of my sins. Light my path and guide me from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.